Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, where today we're going to go do a deep dive on the Hunter Biden laptop. Joining us is the ultimate expert on the laptop, the great New York Post columnist, great journalist, Miranda Devine. She's going to talk about her new book and everything that it says, not only about Hunter Biden, because we know enough about Hunter Biden after all my reporting, her reporting, but what it says about the president himself. Was President Biden a secret beneficiary? Was he an enabler of the schemes that his son did to enrich himself on foreign? How much are they compromised on China? We're going to get to all those questions. It's going to be a really fun discussion. And then we're going to take a little bit of a tutorial, a little bit of a lesson. Get your economics 101 on. Here we go. Christine McDonald's a fantastic uh, columnist, She writes for all sorts of great publications, The Hill, The Wall Street Journal, The Detroit News. She had a fantastic column explaining recently how we got to the perfect storm of supply chain. Everything from California laws that hurt independent truckers who can't now haul things from the ports to the extra unemployment benefits that encourage people to stay home, to some of the inflationary policies of President Biden, and in some cases, right down to local localities like Los Angeles. And we're going to make some sense and help you best understand both how we got to the supply chain crisis and how we might get out of there with Christine McDaniel, who's a fantastic talent and a senior fellow at the Mercatus Institute. All right, before we do that, I always like to do a little bit of Uh, headlines because every day now we have some really important news stories here in Washington at Just the News, the team here doing uh, 24-7 work to keep you apprised of the most important things. And one of the things that when I look out at uh, Joe Biden has had a really bad string of uh, luck. Uh, Maybe it's not luck, really bad string of fate in the U.S. court system, the federal courts, appellate courts repeatedly losing cases on immigration, on COVID restrictions. And there's a common theme to them. And our brand new colleague here, Aaron Kliegman, joined us this week. He's a fantastic reporter, great investigative reporter. The common theme of Joe Biden's losses in the courts, which are mounting, and they're really significant losses. For instance, there's been a lot of TROs, temporary restraining orders, or temporary injunctions, as they're known, against the president. In order 
for that to happen. A judge has to conclude that at the end of the case, there is a strong possibility the Biden administration, Joe Biden, will lose. There have been a whole bunch of TROs, which means the courts are already signaling from the moment you get in our court, we think you're wrong. That is a pretty extraordinary record in the courts. Not a one to brag about. Aaron Kliegman does a really great job today describing the string of losses and what's at it. And there's a common theme to them. Each time the Biden administration loses in courts, the reason is it overstepped its authority. The overreach of a big socialist government, big government, is the constant trigger for why courts at all levels in all parts of the country are ruling against President Biden on a daily basis. Biden legal defeats rapidly piling up across the nation. Great story by my colleague Aaron Kliegman. Check that out today. Now, on the energy front, we're going to have a great conversation coming up. We're actually going to move it till tomorrow so we could have enough time today with Miranda Devine. But tomorrow we're going to have the former Interior Secretary on in. We're going to talk about all the reasons why energy prices are going up for self-inflicted reasons. But today, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer withdrew her federal lawsuit trying to stop construction of one of those oil pipelines in Michigan Maybe an ounce of common sense, maybe not. Maybe she's retooling to go to state court, but a big moment there. It's important to realize that these attacks on oil and gas that the Democrats, whether at the state level, the national level, the federal level, are exacting, they're all contributing to a constraint on energy. And listen, I understand their good intentions about making clean air, clean water if possible, but there has to be a way to do it without destroying the economy, without taking a bite out of hardworking Americans' wallets right now. And there is some reckoning going on now. Democrats are beginning to feel the political consequences of their energy and climate policies because Everyday Americans weren't considered as part of them. That's an important story. Mike Pence had a great interview with my good friend, David Brody, yesterday. The former vice president says he agrees there were irregularities in the 2020 election. I agree with that, too, because our reporting has shown it, right? And he feels, though, he made the right decision going ahead and certifying the results anyway. Uh, you got to look at that. The very nuanced argument that the former vice president is making. Check that out. Important story today. And while we're on... That subject of election integrity, the head of the Wisconsin election probe, Justice Gableman, he is accusing two big city mayors, and you're going to recognize these guys, Green Bay and Madison, the mayors of a cover-up and stonewalling into these election integrity issues. Why do Madison and Green Bay sound familiar to you? Well, we here at Just the News did all the work to show how those cities got money from, you ready? Yep, Mark Zuckerberg's group the Center for Tech and Civic Life, money that went around the normal Federal Election Commission regulatory system. It went directly to the referees and judges of elections, something that I think a lot of Americans don't feel good about right now. Well, Justice Gableman yesterday had a hearing before the Wisconsin Assembly, and he laid it on the line and really raised some serious concerns of these two Democratic mayors and these two Democratic strongholds that took Mark Zuckerberg money to whip up votes in Democratic areas during the 2020 election. They may be trying to slow down his ability to get to the truth. Very important stuff there. All right, while we're at it, because we've got a lot of good things going on, one other important election integrity story I think you should take a look at. The Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffsenberger, says 
He believes the Biden Justice Department is dragging its feet and trying to cover up their collusion. Oh, my God. Now the Democrats are being accused of collusion. Their collusion with outside liberal parties to sue over Georgia's voting right laws. He wants transparency. He wants to know what DOJ was doing with people like Stacey Abrams and other voting right activists. He sued the Justice Department saying, hey, fork over the information. You want to sue us on our state law? We want to know what you were doing on your side on the taxpayer's dime. Very important lawsuit. I have a funny feeling that is going to get a lot of attention in the next few weeks. Keep an eye on that. Very important stuff on that front as well. A lot of big headlines, a lot of good news, but nothing is going to compare to the conversation we're about to have right after the commercial break with our good friend, the great journalist, the great New York Post columnist, and now the author of an unbelievable book on Hunter Biden's laptop. Miranda Devine joins us right after this commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back. 
from the commercial break. And this has been the moment all week I've been waiting to have on this podcast. One of my favorite journalists, one of the greatest writers, one of the greatest diggers in all of America today, Miranda Devine, the great columnist from the New York Post and the author of the book you must read this month, Laptop from Hell. We know what laptop we're talking about. That's right. Hunter Biden. Joining us right now is Miranda Devine. Miranda, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, John. It's fantastic. Such an honor to be on your podcast. Well, it's an honor having you on your work on the laptop. The courage you showed to continue driving the reporting when others tried to censor it is is historic in the annals of journalism. And you've done a lot of great Coming for the public. From you. You, you, you are the past master at that. Honestly, you oh. just uh, your 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 website, Just the News, is an absolute must read for me Thank and you. and everyone who's interested in finding out what's going on. Well, thank you. We got a great team here and we're growing and I, I love it. It's uh, I love coming to work every day, just like I'm sure you do. You do such great work. I love the subtitle on this because I think it summarizes better than anyone has to date why we should care about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, big tech and the dirty secrets of the pre- that the president tried to hide. This is really at the end of the day about Joe Biden. We know that Hunter Biden is a troubled, uh, although very capable shakedown artist. But uh, in this instance here, you, you connect to the president, how the president tried to hide this from the American people. What's well, when you when you step back and you look at all that you assembled in this incredible book, what's the biggest message you want Americans to take away from this? Well, I think that Joe Biden um, has lied to the American people throughout this, uh, throughout his career. I mean, whether it's tall tales or just lies about his family's influence peddling uh, scheme, which it really has has he he's run it since his very early days uh, as a 30 year old senator back in Delaware, and he internationalized it when he became vice president. And during the campaign, he lied to the American people when he said that he knew nothing about his son Hunter's uh, overseas business dealings, because we know from the laptop that he met Hunter's business partners from overseas multiple times. He right. met Mexicans and Ukrainians and Russians and Chinese and Kazakhstanis and he met them in Beijing and he met them in his own, he invited them to his own home, the vice presidential residence uh, in Washington DC, the Naval Observatory. He met them at Cafe Milano, right. the garden room there at a dinner that Hunter organized for Ukrainians, Russians and Kazakhstanis. Um, and you know, he, he met Tony Bobolinsky who was Hunter's business partner. He was, uh, Joe Biden was vetting him to become the CEO of this new joint venture with the Chinese. Um, he met Tony Bobolinsky twice in California. He invited Devin Archer, another of Hunter's business partners, into the White House and took a selfie with him, uh, which was then posted on the website of uh, Burisma, the right. Ukrainian in- energy company that was paying Hunter $83,000, $333, a month and paying Devon Archer. Um, and, you know, I think all you need to know about Burisma is that when Joe Biden stopped being vice president, Burisma cut Hunter Biden's salary in I half. sure did. Yep. And he was complaining he didn't have enough money to live on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he had a $36,000 alimony bill um, yeah. and because his private life was in complete disarray. He was in the thrall of a, thrall of a, a crack addiction. Yeah. Um, he had 
pretty much had a sex addiction, you know, like Eastern European prostitutes. Um, his marriage obviously was on the rocks and he'd started an affair with his late brother's widow, um, his sister-in-law. Mm. And so the whole thing was just a nightmare. And um, this is a man who was getting tens of millions of dollars slopping into his bank accounts and the bank accounts of, you know, his, his partners, his uncle Jim Biden, who yeah. Joe's younger Joe's brother, brother, who... Yeah. Who's, who's, I mean, he's been described to me as the brains of the operation, which doesn't say much, but um, he was also operating really as Hunter's um, sort of mind to just try and keep his nose clean, so to speak. But, um, but Hunter is actually, um, I mean, I've been told this by people who are involved, that don't underestimate him. He's highly intelligent. Oh, yes. I mean, even though he acts like a, a fool and his life is in disarray, um, as someone said to me, look at him now. He's got everything he's ever wanted. He wanted to be an artist. He wanted to be an author. He's, he's now done both. I mean, his art is going for, you know, half a million dollars a Isn't pop. Isn't that crazy? Um, not, not particularly because of its great quality. Uh, and he's also now the president's chief advisor. I mean, he's the closest and most important advisor to Joe Biden. And he is in and out of the White House, in and out of the, the, the sort of weekend White House in Delaware all the time. And we know from the laptop how much uh, Joe, how, how Joe and Hunter were intertwined in terms of, uh, you know, knowing everything about each other's business, their finance, finances being intertwined, uh, you know, joint bank accounts, shared debit cards, um, Hunter, um, you know, paying for at least some of Joe's sort of household bills, maintenance on his Delaware yeah. mansion, AT&T bills. That's a very important a very important uh, aspect of this book because one of the things that the media failed to address or even really pressed Joe Biden on is did you ever get any money from your uh, son's business deals? You have found some evidence of credit card payments and, and, and repair payments and other things, plus the, you know, the spontaneous admissions, the family members that you know, Joe gets half of everything. When you step back, what's the best evidence that Joe Biden profited from his son's overseas deals? Well, um, look, there's not an enormous amount, but there's, um, so I think what, what we found is sort of the tip of the iceberg, and that is the, um, um, you know, emails uh, to Hunter from Eric Schwerin, who was um, his sort of fat totem um, right. at Rosemont Seneca. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Eric Schwerin did everything for Hunter. You know, when Hunter was off on these crack vendors, he would man the station. He would answer yeah. his emails. He would make sure he paid his bills. Um, he would make sure his alimony was paid, et cetera, yeah. and that there was enough money in the bank. Um, but he also seemed to be doing a lot of work for Joe Biden as well in terms of, uh, you know, Joe Biden's mortgage, talking about Joe Biden's future earnings potential. Um, and there are emails uh, where uh, there are these overdue bills for Joe Biden's um, Delaware Mansion, whether it's sort of fixing a retaining wall or painting a fence or um, fixing the shutters or replacing the air conditioning, um, you know, several thousand dollars for each bill from local Delaware um, contractors. And uh, these bills, some, some of them were like months overdue. I mean, I think from what I hear, the Bidens weren't very good at, at paying their bills on time. Uh, and, uh, and, and so um, 
you know, Eric Schwerin saying, we need to pay these now. Will I pay them out of, and he puts in inverted commas, my bank account. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, why he was using inverted commas, you can only surmise. Um, But, uh, and and then, you know, other emails show there are various bills, um, JRB, which is Joseph Robinette Biden, which is um, Joe Biden, uh, you know, like a monthly AT&T bill. Um, and, And, you know, these were just part of what, what Hunter's enormous monthly expenses. I mean, absolutely mammoth. The amount of money that he spent was unbelievable. And he used to put a lot of his his bills on American Express. He'd have a quarter of a million dollar American Express bill with, you know, a mammoth interest rate. I've, I've sort of itemized some of that. Um, and the Bidens are great spenders. I mean, they, they do. Rest they live the a good life. Yeah, champagne lifestyle. Yeah, no, such a great, important point. You know, you said something that really rung true to me, and I saw this all through the Burisma Ukraine reporting I did in 19 at the Hill. And then when the laptop came through and we validated, one of the things we did before we started working the laptop, we gave the signature document from when he leaves the laptop at the um, yes. at the shop, and we had the FBI's top signature expert, a guy who worked for 40 years as the FBI's main signature guy, and he said, no doubt, he compared it to 20 different public documents of Hunter Biden. And he said, there's no doubt Hunter Biden signed that paper and left that laptop. Big moment, right? You and I realize everything is real in this this, uh, laptop. But you see him, even in the midst of his drug addiction, he is very scheming. There's an anecdote that sits out of my mind. He gets uh, invited to um, a state dinner in the new, (coughs) excuse me one second, I got a tickle that all of a sudden came in. <clears throat> I apologize. Um, I'm taking the opportunity as well. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I just inhaled wrong, I think. All right, let me get back to this. Um, he, he, he's invited to a state dinner because of his dad's role as vice president. He goes, he meets the new French ambassador to the United Nations. And like within a week, he's following <laughs> up with that French ambassador. I got a problem. I need you to help me with something. This guy was scheming and he was using every lever of access he had because his dad was vice president to advance some deal, whether it's China, the French, uh, Ukraine, uh, whatever his drug addiction was, he was a pretty solid thinker on how he could use his father's connections to make money and to advance the the family business, as he called it. Um, Do you have any doubt that he cashed in on his father's uh, vice presidency? Any doubt at all? Oh, no. I mean, look, I mean, it's not even an opinion. I mean, it's just there. The receipts are there. You've seen them if you've seen the laptop. Um, And uh, I mean, the emails, I mean, quite shamelessly, um, I think (laughs) probably the most shameless was um, Vadim Pozoraski, who was the um, Burisma sort of 2IC to the owner. Right. uh, and this is this, uh, you know, corrupt uh, energy company. And, um, uh, you know, they'd obviously brought Hunter on board um, to try and stave off this international investigation into Slajewski, who was part of right. the previous regime before the Maiden Revolution, um, who had basically ripped off the, the country and left them, with, you know, nothing in the bank. And uh, so, so um, Interpol and the FBI was involved and um, also... The, the British in trying to claw back that money and uh, Zlochevsky's accounts in London had been 
frozen. And so it's in this backdrop that uh, Hunter Biden and Devon Archer are brought in. And Devon Archer, of course, having um, a relationship with John Kerry um, and uh, used to work for him. And uh, so they were brought on board to uh, try and stop the international authorities from investigating Burisma and Slachevsky. And I mean, ultimately, that was very successful. But there are a series of emails um, in which... uh, this Burisma executive, Vadim, is saying to Hunter, um, you know, how are you going to use your influence to fight the Ukrainian government's corruption allegations against Burisma? And this is what we need you to do. And this is what we need your father to say. And this is what, you know, like, there's no pushback from them. There's no sort of embarrassment. There was only pushback at the very beginning when Burisma... um, You know, for instance, when uh, Devin Archer went and um, took the selfie in with Joe Biden at the White House and it got put up on the Burisma uh, website. Um, And and that was immediately, I mean, there's an email there from the vice president's um, counsel, the lawyer, um, just, uh, you know, tear that down, bring that down. Uh, You've got to bring it down. I mean, Eric Schwerin is emailing around Chandra and saying, get that down. And uh, so it was up long enough that um, even the Washington Post noticed it and David Ignatius actually wrote uh, uncharacteristically that this was uh, not a good look for Joe Biden. Um, And so, uh, you know, there was shameless grifting going on here and it was not really very well hidden. You know, the, the thing that's interesting about the Bidens is... It wasn't a very sophisticated operation. It wasn't at all. In fact, very sloppy if you were trying to keep it quiet. Yeah, it was was out there in plain view. But I I think the the brilliance of Joe Biden, I guess, is this shtick that he's done all his life. And he's leveraged the genuine tragedies that nobody could could not feel sympathy for him about uh, that happened early in his, um, well, just before he took the Senate when his wife and uh, baby daughter were killed. That was Hunter's mother. Uh, and then his two little boys, Hunter and Bo, were in hospital in that famous photograph of him getting sworn in. I mean, the entire nation's heart just opened to him. And and also a lot of the older senators, because he was so young, I mean, he was one of the youngest senators, just 30 when he came to Washington. Um, and there he had these two little motherless boys right. <laughs> left back at home in Delaware um, and he continues on on his glittering career but there were a lot of senators uh, there who took him under his wing and I mean notoriously they were the Dixiecrats you know he uh, Joe Biden now claims to be you know Mr. Anti-Racism but he hooked up with probably the most racist people in Congress he did. Uh, you know Those are his running buddies. yeah so um, so he's sort of parlayed uh, this this sort of the grieving widower uh, narrative. And then, um, of course, his son, Bo Biden, died much later of brain cancer, which was tragic. I mean, incredibly sad for Joe Biden because that was his golden boy. That was his ticket to the dynasty, uh, the Kennedy dynasty that he'd um, always angled towards. Uh, And so, um, you know, he has had a lot of tragedy in his life, but he's also um, just a a consummate liar and teller of tall tales and plagiarist and and just a man who doesn't seem, uh, never has seemed to be able to keep truth from fiction straight in his head and so this narrative that he's spun of being the poorest man in congress you know a humble working class kid from scranton um you know honest joe um it just doesn't it it, it, it's just so at odds with the facts as we see them um as 
I mean, I guess it's obvious to everybody from his lifestyle and the way he comports himself, but also just from the receipts on the laptop and the lavish um, sort of, you know, the, the life of privilege that his family lives. Uh, and that, that counts, you know, his brothers and sister and nieces and nephews and cousins and, you know, children and their children. And, uh, you know, it's this sort of, I describe it as a magic carpet ride. And it doesn't yeah. actually have to be just cash. Nope. You know, it's, it can be it's gifts all being yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you, your, your book does such a good job of just showing how they live off their fame. Uh, and, you know, there was that moment in the ABC interview where he said, oh, I got a lot of things because of my name. Of course, uh, he ain't kidding when you look at the laptop. I mean, it was just a constant shakedown. I want to go back to Eric Schwerwin because for me, as I went through the laptop and as I did some of my reporting, the period of December 2015, when Joe Biden goes to Ukraine and they're worried about the New York Times article and the whole Burisma yeah. thing blowing up to the beginning of the spring of 2016 when Hunter Biden's primary business partner, Devin Archer, both at Burisma and at Rosemont, all of a sudden he's under FBI investigation and Hunter Biden finds out, uh-oh, subpoenas are coming my way. My bank records are <laughs> gonna be looked at and he and his lawyers start scrambling. And it's Eric Schwerwin who says, uh, hey, Hunter, you know that money you got from Burisma? You haven't paid taxes on it and you owe a whole bunch of taxes. It's remarkable to see that moment in the middle of the uh, of the uh, Devin Archer investigation where Hunter Biden realizes, I took all this money from Ukraine and they're telling me I didn't pay taxes on it. When you look back now, how un uh, almost mind-numbing is it that Hunter Biden wouldn't have paid taxes on something he was getting from Ukraine? Well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, really. I mean, you, you look at the chaos of his life. Um, you know, he, he was just... Uh, you know, on drugs all the time. He was running away on benders. He wouldn't answer emails. Um, he spent a lot of time at the Chateau Marmont, for instance, in Hollywood, um, just basically cooking and smoking crack and entertaining prostitutes. And um, and so Eric Schwerin was really cleaning up all the messes. He was running the operation. Right. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> it's interesting that there was that level of detail. I often wonder because because really Eric Schwerin was a, a great source of detail. He was. <laughs> he was very and, meticulous. And wonder, very meticulous. And I wonder if there wasn't an element of sort of passive aggressive, I'm just going to record this, because of course in the end he got shafted as well. Yeah. Uh, he and, he and uh, Hunter had a terribly acrimonious they ending did. to their relationship, but not so acrimonious that um, Eric Schwerin wasn't taken care of by Joe Biden. I mean, he was given his own um, grace and favor posting, a, a sort of an ambassadorial he posting. Did. Or wasn't it was an ambassador. Commission, it was yeah, it was a commission. Commission, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, in which he, he liked very much. And, and in fact, it was, it was that posting that he was given that prompted um, one of... Uh, one of Hunter's cousins, the the uh, daughter of his, of, uh, his aunt, uh, Joe's sister, to say, well, you know, is that our Eric? Well, why can't we get one of those? Can mum get one of those? And so, of course, then a flurry of activity uh, happened between Joe Biden, the vice president's office, and um, and Hunter and uh, and Eric Schwerin, and they worked out for um, for uh, Aunt Val. Um, a, two or three sinecures, uh, one at the UN and a couple of University of Delaware, um, that would, would make her a tidy, you know, $50,000 here, $50,000 there. Nice just a nice income earner. <laughs> and, I mean, this was just the way they rolled. It was just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we'll have one of those. It was just, uh, you know, jo government jobs, uh, 
you know, judgeships, judge clerkships, um, uh, university places, uh, Ivy League places. Um, and, and Joe Biden sort of controlled people around him by giving away these baubles of office. Um, there's one email that Hunter talks to one of his friends about how his father, he's sort of resentful of his father in a lot of this, um, sort of controlled him because yes. when Hunter had a Secret Service um, tale uh, that he said his father used to sort of um, suck up to these Secret Service guys by, by, you know, putting their kids into military college or whatever they wanted, they needed, Joe would make sure it happened. And uh, in return, um, they would look after and, and I presume turn a blind eye to some of Joe's, uh, some of Hunter's peccadilloes, but also make sure he stayed alive oh, from the look of the from the look of the photos they had to ignore an awful lot uh, holy mackerel i mean you just look at some of the stuff and you go wow what a reckless life the son of a vice president was um leading john i wonder if you think because it, it, it occurred to me that i mean even in the times when hunter waved off his secret service protection um he must have had um the intelligence services must have been aware of what's what was going on. John Brennan, CIA, right. they must have known and must have been keeping an eye on him because he had nine lives. He was in lots of very dangerous situations. He, he seemed to always be be plucked out and, uh, yeah. and, and removed from situations of danger. Do you think there was something intervention going on there? Well, listen, you would almost assume uh, that whenever uh, the, the son of a vice president or any member of the president's family is overseas, that they're all eyes are on, right? We know that from some prior testimonies of, of cases. Uh, we don't know what the CIA, DIA, and others were doing, but it's it, when you get to Ukraine, you know Russia's watching, right? So mm. our intelligence service, if they're hearing that uh, that um, Hunter Biden is turning up the sand in Ukraine, so to speak, both from a financial standpoint, maybe from a drug and sex standpoint, uh, they're going to be watching for every potential opportunity for the Russians to exploit that and, and put the family over a barrel. We've not been able to get any records on that front. We put a lot of FOIAs in. We're contemplating a lawsuit on that here at Just the News. But it's a missing layer of, mm. of the history of the Biden family. It, it seems almost improbable that the FBI the CIA, the DIA would not learn of things or learn of potential threats because as reckless as he was, you know, the scenario that Senators Grassley and Johnson have laid out that, you know, the family could have been over the barrel by all these relationships. You would have to assume the intelligence community was looking and policing for that and perhaps trying to thwart it if it was going to happen. But there's no body of record, nothing that we can find yet. And, uh, and I think that's a place for all of us as journalists to go in the next year. I want to ask you about accountability. Yeah. Sorry, can I just ask you one other question? Please. You say thwart, but I wonder if it wasn't so much thwarting, but that Hunter Biden was so close in the inner sanctum of Vladimir Putin with the, yeah. the oligarchs at, at Putin's right hand. He was so close inside the court of President Xi um, that I wonder if the intelligence services uh, might have been using him for intelligence. I mean, maybe not without his knowledge. Sure. Well, listen, they debrief a lot of Americans, too. You come back from China, then you come back from Ukraine and Russia, you sometimes get a visit. Hey, could you be helpful to us? You're an American. Could you be helpful mm. to us? And uh, we don't know those things, right? We have filed for a lot of things. We don't know. You know, one of the big mysteries for me is it looks like he cooperated with the Devin Archer case and he was conveniently cut, cut out of the Devin Archer case, both as a witness and as a, you know, as a, we don't know what he told the FBI in his 302s. That's a missing thing that we all need to get. We mm. assume he had to be interviewed. There's no way they could not have asked him about some of these things. And if you remember when I when I made my biggest um, uh, progress on this, it was the bank records 
that had been put into the record of the Devin Archer case that showed all that money, $3 million going to Devin Archer and uh, $3 million plus going to Devin Archer and Hunter Biden from that Ukraine bank account. Uh, that was sitting in, in plain view out in the, um, mm. the, the Archer case. That became the seminal moment to realize, wow, this was not some $20,000 a month job. This was a multi-million dollar deal that he got from them. We we're now we now know, I know from my reporting, that the FBI and Justice Department opened its investigation of Hunter Biden in December of 2018, it looks like. Uh, and it was already active. Uh, we know the laptop was turned over in December 2019. We know in 2016 and 17, Eric Schwerin repeatedly warned Hunter Biden, you've evaded or you haven't paid taxes on that Brisma money. You better pony up the money. We're now in almost about to enter into 2022. Do you have any confidence that Hunter Biden will face any form of accountability or justice for this financial racket he had? Well, I don't know. I mean, look, in terms of the taxes, he did pay a lot of taxes. Yep. They did do a pretty good job. After um, the fact of paying up. Yeah, yeah, before Joe Biden uh, came in, he paid fines as well. Um, Now, there's also um, the FARA violation potential, um, and apparently part of the investigation is into that. Um, And, you know, I I honestly can't see how, um, how Hunter Biden wouldn't be in in breach of that allegedly um, because he was acting um, you know from, from from what we can see as uh, an agent um, using his influence with uh, people here in the government so um, I, I don't know whether something will come of that um, and uh, I mean I think I think you know if, if you have the laptop there's a lot of wrongdoing on there that you can find oh yes um, I, I and, and I mean the Southern District has been um, you know, they would have the laptop and they would know about this because it was the Southern District that arrested Patrick Ho um, from CEFC yeah. and um, and that that brought that whole House of Cards tumbling down. And that was when the Trump administration came into office. Um, that really just uh, ruined the sort of China grift for the Bidens because yep. that was their biggest deal with, it was. with CEFC. But CEFC was the capitalist arm of the... Belt and Road Initiative. Like it wasn't just an energy company. This was right at the top of President Xi's agenda. And CFC, Hunter Biden and Jim Biden, intimately involved in this, was uh, orchestrated that enormous deal, the biggest deal that China had ever done with Russia. And this was going to change uh, the the geopolitical energy uh, power balance and it was going to be very detrimental for the United States because China had done a deal through CEFC to buy a big chunk of Rosneft which is the Russian state-owned energy company and Russia had to do that because it had been forced into it after the sanctions over uh, you know the downing of MH17 so um, here we had Russia and China were going to band together and um, and this was bad for America and yet the president's son or the, the ex-vice president's son at that stage um, and the, the ex-vice president were involved with this company that was going to be doing this deal. And it was only because Jeff Sessions came in with the, the Trump edict right. to stop all this China shenanigans um, that Patrick Ho was was wiped out. And yeah. and then, then Chairman Yi, uh, who was the the head of CFC just mysteriously disappears in China and never seen again. 
It's amazing. Yep, just goes into darkness. We never see him again. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left. I want to ask you this question. You get five minutes with Joe Biden. You get to ask him three questions. What are the three questions President Joe Biden should answer about this entire financial family racket? Oh, you put me on the spot. So, <laughs> well, I would want um, I would want him to admit um, that he met with uh, the all of Hunter's business partners. Right. Why did he lie about it? Um, I would want him really put me on the spot. I know at the end I'm going to have like 12 questions that are really good that I want to know. Um, and then <laughs> we'll bring I'll you back on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, won't, oh, he also won't tell the truth, but then I'll also put him on the spot about um, firing Victor Shokin. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you, that, you know, you know that Victor Shokin was arresting and was uh, seizing he was all, closing all in. the he was. stuff and that he was going to subpoena your son. Um, and um, and then what else would I ask? Oh, about, about President Xi, about being... Um, uh, you know, taking all this money um, for his family, taking tens of millions of dollars from China, um, that's compromised him with President Xi. Yep. And is that the reason that he won't press President Xi on the origins of Wuhan in his four meetings that he's had with him this year? And yeah. that President Xi has shown utter contempt for him by, uh, after the last two-hour virtual meeting, basically sending warplanes to buzz Taiwan a few hours later. So, um, so those off the top of my head, but if those you give me a time. <laughs> those are three amazing questions. The president should answer those questions because uh, he owes the American people the truth after denying it us all the way through the 2020 campaign. Miranda, I could talk to you all day. You are an amazing reporter. You and Peter Schweitzer and a handful of people who have dug in and told the real story about the Biden family. You are the reason why the American public is so lucky to know the facts today, even though they were deprived to us in 2020. We now know them because of your great book. Uh, and I want to thank you for the time today and all the great work you do every day. Oh, thank you so much, John. And look, I say the same back to you, double. Yeah, we got a lot of work ahead of us in 2022. A lot more truth to tell, I know. <laughs> For sure. And I can't wait to see more revelations that I know that you've got coming up. Very excited about those. Same here. And folks, in the meantime, best Christmas gift you're going to give yourself and your friends, Laptop from Hell, a great read. Uh, just scintillating reporting and writing. And you know what? It's all fact-based. Unlike a lot of the stuff we get from the media today isn't true. Check it out today on Amazon Target. You can get it everywhere. Laptop from hell. Miranda, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you, John. Great to talk to you. You as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, a little bit of economics on why we have a supply chain shortage. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. 
You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest who's going to help us really understand how we got into this supply chain crisis. Uh, she's been a prolific writer of the Wall Street Journal, Political, The Hill, where I used to work. Uh, she's currently a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center and really an all-around tremendous thinker on globalization, the economy. Joining me right now is Christine McDaniel. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you on. And uh, you caught my... As you often do when you write, um, you caught my uh, eye the other day with this really great um, uh, op-ed in the Detroit News is where I saw it, where you really explain what's going on with the supply chain crisis. And also, you had a really funny line, but I think a lot of Americans are nodding when they hear it, which is, whatever you do, don't ask Washington for any more help. Describe a little bit what, uh, what prompted you to write that and what you see as the real cause of this supply chain crisis we're in. Well, the... One of the core drivers of the current supply chain crisis is the extraordinary demand for goods right now, right? That's the core of the problem. And, you know, even with normal levels of demand, you know, uh, we would have had issues, you know, with just pandemic related things. But even before the pandemic, you remember the economy was running really uh, strongly. They were running it pretty hot. Uh, Remember, unemployment was, you know, less than 3%. Um, and they were already um, running into a few issues on the supply chain there. But then with the, so the economy is running gangbusters, COVID hits, boom, right? Demand falls off a cliff. Then people stay home for a while. They get um, their, their stimulus checks and whatnot. And um, demand for goods starts picking back up. And, that, and then it starts surging. And meanwhile, Produce, uh, suppliers, companies, you know, they've scaled back inventories, they've uh, scaled back a lot, they don't have their workers, so they're having trouble keeping up, uh, but demand keeps going gangbusters, and so we have, you know, we have a surge in demand, and we have supply problems, and that has caused, <laughs> um, you know, these these frictions, right, and so you can see, um, you know, w- w- people see at, at the ports, for instance, you know, slow deliveries, containers stacked super high, ships waiting uh, outside Long Beach. Um, but, you know, so those are the things that are receiving a lot of attention or, you know, you, you go shopping and some, some things that you might want are going to be delayed for a while. Um, but the thing is, you know, there, um, what's, but the, the core problem, though, is the surge in demand 
And there's not a lot that Washington can do about that. And so when people <clears throat> ask Washington for help, um, you know, they you get this th- there can be a lot of unintended consequences. And so, you know, with Biden and his team trying to get the ports running 24 hours a day, well, okay, (laughs) but, you know, but the ports, that's just one part of the entire supply chain. If the truckers aren't there, if the other people, you know, there's, this is a very complex machine we have uh, here. And, um, and really it works well when you, you leave it to the people who run it. So, you know, they're well intentioned, no doubt. But um, but the unintended consequences are often worse than um, people might expect. Yeah. And it, it's funny, the supply chain is a very sensitive ecosystem and it can have many points of failure and stressors. And we always in Washington, particularly where I am at all time, we're always looking for like oh, we, a single cause, single effect. But on the supply chain, there are so many points of potential pressure or points of failure that can happen. I think it's such a complicated picture. Let me walk you through some of the things that I thought you addressed so well in the in the article. Um, one of the questions is there was a period of time uh, where we were paying people basically to stay home, that they could probably survive almost on what they were getting in terms of unemployment than if they had gone into the workforce. Is that one of the stressors that uh, shrunk the workforce for a period of time and, and made uh, the supply side uh, fall behind? Yes, it is one of them, right? People got um, some, for some people, it's very generous um, stimulus checks. And, you know, it it didn't always make sense for them to go back to uh, a job that they may have not been crazy about in the first place. Or maybe they had um, someone, a loved one that got sick and they had to stay home and take care of them. Or, um, you know, they see, um, you know, wages going up, uh, prices going up, wages going up. They think, well, maybe I can quit and look for a better job. So there are so many different reasons that people are um, dropping out or, or, or resigning from their jobs. And um, there's not just one part, but I mean, it was, you know, the stimulus checks were, were you know, that definitely a non-trivial part of that. It, it, it paints into that, that that supply chain and it's just one of the chinks in the armor that seems to occur. Now you have another, I, I found this really interesting. You, you talk about a shift uh, from the American consumer away from buying services and more towards buying material goods. Um, part of that probably is you, you didn't want people in your house when COVID was going on or whatever, but describe that buying habit switch where people buy less services and more material goods. Yeah, well, so I was talking to Phil Levy, the chief economist at Flexport, this right? is one of these freight forwarders, and he was, he was I, I said, you know, explain this to me, Phil, you know, how, how, do, how do you see this? He said, well, think of it this way. Um, before the pandemic, you know, you had gym, a gym membership. Um, you know, the pandemic hit, you had to stay home. So you may have let your gym membership expire. You didn't renew it, uh, but you still wanted to work out. So you bought a Peloton or you bought some other home gym equipment, right? Um, or you bought a new pair of running shoes. So, you know, that, and it's that times, you know, 200 million, right? right. So you have, um, so it's a switch from services to goods and it, it's pervasive across sectors, uh, and um, you know, and, and we and this is um, and hence so it's a relative demand uh, for um, an, a relative demand increase for goods, or you know, relative decrease demand for services. But you know, this has put a, a enormous uh, pressure on on the um, supply chain that you know for goods. And so, um, and it's not just, you know, the Peloton, it's, you know, people are sitting around, they realize they want a new furniture, a new piece of furniture, a new sofa, or that family, you know, outside Washington that I talk about, you know, they saw their old electric stove day out, you know, back in January, um, they had a little extra income. 
So they thought, well, let's splurge and, you know, get an oven a range that we really want. And they, it took them six months to um, to get that that um, new appliance in their kitchen. And they were, you know, eating out of the microwave and, and uh, take out in the meantime. Yeah, such an important one. One of my favorite ones, because I've seen this, I had a smart refrigerator that went kaput uh, in uh, the middle of the pandemic. And every two or three days, because I had to wait four months for the, the part, I'd have to unplug the freezer for an entire day and let it defrost and then plug it back in and it would work. And so literally every three days we're in this, I pull everything out, defrost it, I put everything back in. It was crazy. But semiconductors, uh, they, they've been blamed from everything from automobile shortages to appliance shortages. You, you really, I, I thought you did the best. I've never, I, I never had heard it explained this way, but part of the problem is we get a lot of those parts from Vietnam, Malaysia, places like that. And they all went into the lockdown in Asia when met workers couldn't go to the factory, right? That, that's another chink in the armor that we ended up enduring, right? Yeah, absolutely. I like to talk to people in the auto industry just to kind of see what their challenges are. And they tell me that, you know, a lot of their suppliers did move out of China, you know, to other parts of Asia, uh, p- partly in response to the tariffs, trying to escape the tariffs um, and to try to escape, you know, more pressures from the trade war with China. But then, but then it turns out they got killed by that decision because, you know, Vietnam went into a three-month lockdown, right? So it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not so easy, you know, just to, um, to move from one, one place to another. Um, the, um, I was talking to uh, this other auto, auto manufacturer, um, and they were saying what they've done is over the years, especially after the Japan 2011 earthquake tsunami, they and then and now it's really come in handy with the pandemic. They have just built this huge database of their suppliers, their supplier suppliers, and their suppliers supplier suppliers. And so they know how many parts it takes to make a car. But there's there's probably about 1,500 that, components that are just super critical. Uh, and so at any given moment, any given day, um, they know exactly um, you know how long, where, how long it's going to take, where they're going to get them, what red flags, red flags, orange flags, you know, might be coming up on the horizon. Uh, but they've, you know, they've built that into their system uh, because th- that what that's what works for them. They didn't need the government to tell them to do it, right? Um, Lego, something that is a big <laughs> popular uh, product in my household. Uh, you know, you get on their website, and even uh, they have some things that are out of stock or. Um, yeah, oh, for up. sure. But over the years, though, they have built out supply chains in uh, North America, Asia, and Europe. And so when one goes down, you know, they've got backups, right? They do that because that's what makes the best sense for them. So companies are learning how to do this. They're doing it on their own. The ones that do it will be better off and they'll survive. The ones that don't do it won't survive. But, you know, that's that's the creative destruction and the competitive process right so uh and it's really best just to let companies um do this on their own they are already doing it uh and washington really does not need to get involved yeah that's uh that is a that is a message that i hear a lot now from everyday americans when i travel the country which is all right we've had enough of washington south let's try to do something here and i want to pivot in a second and talk to some of the solutions that you mentioned here but i want to run through two more examples that i thought were really great and one of them we had the experience this week and we went two weeks earlier than we ever go to get our our live christmas tree uh we started really the right the thing we can have thanksgiving we wouldn't normally do that to mid-december and the guy at the tree farm said good thing you got here because in two weeks we're not going to have anything uh describe uh, there are like three or four things that created the perfect storm for christmas trees right 
Yeah, this year was kind of interesting. Well, uh, first of all, we have the so we have the real trees and fake trees, right? So, um, so the good news is for people who want real trees, if you're willing to, you know, take a drive and go do the work, you'll you'll find there's plenty of real trees yep. that cut cut and carry, right? Uh, we were just out down in North Carolina, down outside of Boone, and there were plenty plenty of of signs uh, along the way there, cut and carry. So if you're willing to do that and take a drive, you'll be fine. But if you want to go to the, um, you know, place where you, they're already cut for you and all packaged up nicely, uh, you know, that's where people are starting to come, might run into problems pretty soon because of the, um, the again, the labor that it takes to cut those trees down, right. the, uh, dr- drive them to the big parking lots where people go to buy them. Um, the, you know, the labor that the truckers just aren't there, you know, they're busy. Um, they're getting paid more to do other things right now. Um, and then plus we had uh, in some parts of the country, especially on the West with the drought uh, and then the fires, um, you know, they've uh, that wiped out a big chunk for certain, certain tree farms. Um, and, um, and then you can go back further than that and the great recession uh, 2008, a lot of those uh, tree farmers just didn't plant as much. So, you know, and you, it takes these trees five to 10 years to grow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that supply, it's, it's still You can't not just throw a whole bunch of miracle grow on a seedling and it suddenly becomes a Christmas tree. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's um, you know, one of the things I also heard at the Christmas tree farm, particularly on the East Coast, is there are these pests, uh, uh, ash borer and other beetles that have destroyed a lot of the, you know, uh, mid-size or, or growing pine trees. And so it's like a perfect thing. Fires, drought, pestilence, trucking, lack of workers. Um, uh, and now all of a sudden we're short on Christmas trees just like that. Um, you talked about another thing in here that I've heard a lot about in the last few days talking to CEOs, and that is some of the regulatory um, uh, changes and, and in case of California, a law, Assembly Bill 2, I believe it is, that uh, changed the stature of independent contractors, which in the trucking industry is a big deal because most uh, truckers aren't uh, large company owners, they're independent contractors. Talk a little bit about how regulatory fiat has also put some uh, stress on this uh, supply chain. Right. Well, so that's been interesting because a lot of these uh, trucking regulations are uh, at the state level, it turns out. Right. Uh, and so there's, you know, there are some nationwide, industry-wide, but there's also state level and local level uh, rules and regulations that that um, that restrict, you know, um, how many truckers can be lined up, how long they can idle, um, you know, what, how many hours of work, uh, how many hours of driving they can do a week. Um, and you know, those rules have been um, put in place and um, have stayed in place for quite a while. And, um, and they're there for a reason, good or bad, but it's, you know, it's not, it, it, Washington can't really just snap uh, their fingers and, and change them. A lot of these are local municipal issues. So, you know, just in, in terms of the port, the areas around the, 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 the physical area around the port, that area is regulated by the the city yeah. and the state. Uh, and so if, if those regulations say, you know, you can only have X number of trucks at X number of, uh, you know, uh, hours of the day, uh, or, you know, you can't idle for longer than X minutes or hours, um, you know, th- w- there's nothing Washington can really do about that, right? So yeah. when, um, 
our, our, the transportation secretary, uh, Buttigieg, says he wants to be an honest broker. You know, that's great. But, you know, there's, um, you know, a lot of these rules and regulations are, are done at the more local municipal levels. Uh, and, um, it, it, and it's not as easy as, you know, Washington just coming in and saying, you know, we, um, you know, we, everyone needs to work 24 hours a day. They can say that, but it's not going to happen yeah, because these doesn't. rules are made at the local level. Yeah, no, such a good point. All right, so now that we've painted such a bleak, dreary picture and everybody just lost all their holiday spirit, uh, you have some really great solutions in this. And I, I, I love uh, when someone writes an article, lays out, but then also says, here's some things. And, you know, Joe Biden had this conference with all the CEOs. It didn't really result in any action because it's, it, you know, as you point out, it's a very complicated set of situations. But if you're Mayor Gil Garcetti, if you're Governor Newsom in California in the ports, if you're um, uh, uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, you've got a big port down there, uh, or you're the president, what are some things that political leaders could do that won't make the situation worse, but make it better? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, anything they can do to, to um, you know, to, to, um, to pull back, um, and I think the stimulus checks have stopped, but, right. you know, to, to, to make people hungry again, right? Make them want to go back to work. Um, the, the, so many people staying at home um, from, um, you know, the, the stimulus checks, that has been one thing, and I think that's easing up now. But, um, you know, like uh, Powell, Fed Chair Powell said the other day, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, the virus is controlling this economy. And every time we get a new wave, you know, then that's just um, – you know, more people that might need to stay home or more people that might need to take care of loved ones or, um, and there's really, there's not much you can do about that except, um, you know, what they are kind of doing and that's trying to get everyone vaccinated, everyone get the booster shot, uh, minimize on that side. But the the core problem is really highly elevated demand, right? And so that's where we really need to be looking for a solution. Um, I mean, there are some things that they can do to operate the supply chain more efficiently, um, here and there, I mean, the the Jones Act is a huge, huge one. Um, economists have been calling for the elimination of the Jones Act for years. That's a, a rule that says it has to be a U.S. carrier if it goes from one U.S. port to another U.S. port. Um, you know that, but that's a, a very controversial and political. Uh, and um, the longshoremen have some very concentrated, big interest in keeping that alive, but repealing the Jones Act would be a huge thing. Um, the um, making our, our ports more efficient, you know, that's like an infrastructure issue. That's right. not going to happen overnight. Nope. So there's really not, no overnight solution to this. I mean, um, the question is when demand will back off. Uh, there's several things that could lead to that, right? It could be a pullback in, um, in incomes or a pullback in the propensity to spend out of income right. um, or a switch from, uh, from goods to services. Uh, but those are things that are really outside of uh, the reach of, of Biden and his team, unfortunately. And, you know, we don't really see any signs of that happening at the moment. So, um, you know, with the Fed noting or they, hint, you know, hinted that they're going to um, t- start to start to scale back the quantitative easing. That will be one thing, um, you know, a, a good recession would definitely solve the problem. Yeah. But I don't think anybody wants no to No one's rooting like for that. that right now. <laughs> yeah, no one's rooting for that right now. So, um, you know, it's really um, the, the private sector, you know, they're, they'll just keep doing what they can to um, to become more resilient, to, to develop more layers of, um, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C's in their supply chains and their inventories. 
And, um, you know, they just have to, they're just going to have to, everyone is going to have to struggle through this. Yeah. The, uh, uh, so things like cutting tariffs, uh, getting some of these regulatory issues maybe eased off could, could help a little bit. But really, there are bigger endemic issues that we have to, to look at, like the way our infrastructure is set up and some of these laws and states. Um, one last thing, when you look at the number of people that aren't in the workforce today that were two years ago and the gap between available jobs, and the number of people looking for a jobs, uh, that gap seems to be at one of its largest levels that I can remember in my adult lifetime. Uh, are there any things beyond taking the incentives to stay home uh, away that will do it? Will the fear of if coronavirus fades, does that help? What are some of the things that will get people back into the workforce? Well, when they um, when they finish spending their stimulus checks, right? When, <laughs> yeah. when, when rent becomes due, uh, when um, we don't have these, these waivers anymore on, um, you know, it's, 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 it's harsh. It sounds harsh to say, and economists have been accused of being, you know, the dismal scientists, but, but, you know, if, if um, landlords cannot throw people out for not paying the rent, right. well then, you know, I mean, you just, it takes you know, the pressure to go to work out of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it takes off the pressure to go to work, you know, um, you know, when people ha- have to pay bills when it's, you know, or, um, or else get thrown out on the street, you know, that is what gets people back to work, right? So, um, and these are, this is just sort of, this is just econ 101. Uh, but if, yeah, people don't have to pay the rent. Uh, if they keep getting, um, you know, getting um, ability to delay uh, paying other types of bills, then it's, it, there's not a lot of incentive to go back to work. No, it's right. I mean, it, it, sometimes it's the demand of your responsibilities that ultimately get you to the workplace. And that, that I guess, has to work itself out. This was a fascinating conversation, Christine. We, I love the, the article you did. It made this so much more understandable because it is such a complex issue. It sounds easy when you first hear it, but it's not that easy. And I think uh, the way you laid it out in that great article and again here today is re- really going to benefit our listeners and our readers here at Just the News. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday. You as well. And we'll hopefully uh, get, get you back on the show early next year and keep, keep track of this uh, pesky little economic problem we're all facing. So it'll be fun. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Christine. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
All right, folks, welcome back. It is time to wrap up the show. I'm so grateful for Miranda Devine and for Christine McDaniel. We took on two big issues that have huge import in America. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, ethics in the Biden White House, and the incredible downstream pain now being caused by the supply chain shortages in America. I thought Christine did a great job laying out all the different elements of that perfect storm and what can be done about it short-term, long-term to make sure we never repeat the pain we're now inflicting on working class and middle class and you know, everyday Americans. And as far as Hunter Biden's laptop, listen, Miranda Devine's book is the ultimate statement why censorship in America doesn't work. The American people were deprived of the information about Hunter Biden's laptop because of bullies like Twitter, like Facebook, like the democratic machinery that painted people like me who wrote legitimate fact-based stories about Hunter Biden. We were all smeared and the American voter was kept in the dark. Large numbers of them were kept in the dark until after the election, until after Joe Biden was named president. That is not only a tragedy, it is not American. We don't silence voices that we disagree with. That's not what the power of a monopoly should do. And Twitter is a monopoly, right? These are big, giant institutions that can change people's understanding, can hide, omit, promote stories. There is, as I listened to that Miranda Devine interview and was part of it today, there's a lot of reason to be concerned as America. Listen, no matter what side of the political fence you're on, censorship is anti-American. It really is. And we just need to come to grips with that. We ought to just speak out against it. I don't want Republicans doing it to Democrats. I don't want Democrats doing it to Republicans. I don't want Martians doing it to Earthlings. It just doesn't make sense. We're better than that. We're smarter than that. I trust the American people to be smart enough to make up their own mind. And I think we all should, too. All right. Big Big day today. Very appreciative for your time. Tomorrow, we're going to have a Secretary Bernhardt here, the former Interior Secretary Donald Trump. We're going to talk energy policy and why all these Green New Deal slash Democratic Clean Air, Clean Water bills are really not achieving clean air, clean water, but are achieving a cleaning out of your wallet, an unnecessary cleaning out of your wallet at a time when we already have other inflationary pressures. Important conversation that we can go into the weekend about educated. Looking forward to that. Hey, last night when I got back home, I worked late and I got back home and on the stoop of the front porch was something that put a smile on my face. You know what it was? It was my latest shipment, my monthly subscription from Wild Alaskan Company. I love fish. My whole family loves fish, whether it's halibut, cod, salmon. We have prawns. I got some new prawns in the package. I can't wait to cook them up this weekend. We're going to have a big fish dinner this weekend, uh, pre-Christmas family dinner. We're going to bring some friends over, maybe even have some neighbors. In fact, I'm taking a pack of my salmon over my neighbor next door. He's just an aficionado, and he loves it. He's always watching my porch, waiting for the next Wild Alaskan Company shipment to come. I'm going to bring him some Soho salmon tonight. I want to mention this because you're a JustTheNews.com fan, because you're a John Solomon Reports listener. We have a special that we get from our great partnership with Wild Alaskan Company. I love them. Next month, I I know the family's going to come back out. We're going to talk a little bit more. I just can't speak enough. They have the highest quality, freshest, sustainably sourced seafood I've ever had. When that box arrives, my whole family runs out onto the porch. They can't wait to see what's in it. We throw it in the freezer and we start planning. When are we going to cook that? When are we going to cook this? It is amazing. Well, here's what we got. 
because you are a Justin News, John Solomon Reports fan, you're going to get $15, $15 off your first box of wild-caught seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash Just News. Let me give you that again. Wildalaskancompany.com slash Just News. 15 bucks off your first box. That is an incredible deal. Now, let me tell you why I think this is so exciting. This is a great time of year. We're looking for quick meals when we're busy because we're out holiday shopping. It is so easy to jump into the freezer, rip open one of those great salmons and uh, throw it on the grill. And in a few minutes, the cod, the salmon, whatever you picked out is the perfect portion, by the way. They make the portions just right. You're eating dinner quickly and it feels like you went to a five-star seafood restaurant. That's how it feels like for me. The great folks at Wild Alaskan Company, they help make what we do here at Just the News possible to make the John Solomon Reports podcast. We can do these great interviews like we did with Miranda Devine. They make it possible by sponsoring and supporting us. And every time you support and buy from them, you're supporting our journalism mission here. So do me a favor today. Maybe you want to send a non-traditional Christmas gift to one of your loved ones or your friends. Maybe you just want to spoil yourself during the holidays. Say, listen, there's going to be a night. I'm going to get home. I'm going to be whooped from the holiday shopping the day at work. I don't want to think, but I want a gourmet meal. I'm going to pull it out of the freezer and do my Wild Alaskan Company subscription do it. We do it at the Solomon family. We love it. We can't wait for the boxes to show up on our doorstep. Even my neighbors can't wait now. They're all in on this. They're all, they come over, hey, what do you got? Is there anything I can grab? You ought to do this. Become the hero of your neighborhood. Become the chef connoisseur of fish food in your family. How do you do that? You go to wildalaskancompany.com slash justnews right now. Get $15 off your monthly subscription for the first box of seafood. Once you start buying and you taste that impeccable flavor, you're not going to be able to stop. It is part of our routine now. And I can't tell you how much better the seafood is that we get from Wild Alaskan versus what we might get over the counter at the local grocery store. It is fresh. It is sealed. The texture is incredible. It is impeccable flavor. Do yourself a favor and spoil yourself or one of your loved ones this holiday season. One more time, wildalaskancompany.com slash news. Get that great discount, $15 off the first box. All right, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished 
and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.